Good morning. Welcome to ANZ News. Today, Wednesday the 10th of June, 2020. Today we're talking how the Fed's next tool is going to work. Yield curve control. Tonight, the Fed meet for the first... Tonight, the Fed meet for the monthly FOMC meeting. As has been a recent trend, gold has dipped beforehand and last night started to rally, up nearly 1% in USD terms and 1.9% in AUD. So what are we expecting from this omnipotent entity as US share markets again regain all-time highs before falling at the end of trade last night? The USD falling for nine straight days, its longest decline since 2016, and US Treasury yields climbing again before declining since Friday. For the Fed, rates are already at zero and they will staunchly resist negative rates until they have to capitulate. They have been quietly winding back their QE to just $4 billion per day from the initial emergency $75 billion. However, the Pavlovian bell still sounds and thus shares still to the moon. But with their own Atlanta Fed GDP now estimate for this quarter now at minus 53%, the worst print in all history, the problem is far from fixed. Last meeting, Fed Chair... Powell hinted at their employing so-called yield curve control, or YCC, as the next tool in the belt. YCC sees the Fed target controlling longer-term yields by buying or selling as many long-term bonds as necessary to achieve the target yield. As we've explained before, yields are normally higher for longer-term bonds, say 10 or 30 year, than shorter terms of, say, two years, on the logical basis of the risk of return over a longer period. Banks use this to make money by selling you debt at a higher rate than that they're able to buy at the lower rate, thus pocketing the difference. That all becomes a little challenging for banks when the yield curve, the mapping of those short to long term yields, flattens. However, the Fed is incentivized to keep longer term yields as low as possible to encourage more borrowing at low rates for public, corporate and household debt for things like houses and cars to keep the economy going. It also means to try and encourage their beloved inflation to reduce their debt burden. However, regular readers will know that UBS's chief economist cast large doubt over that thesis recently. Finally, it should also encourage even more into shares and reduce demand, and hence price, for the USD. The chart next uh, again reinforces the nexus that has formed between all this newly created liquidity worldwide and not just the US, and share prices. This graph shows global stocks and also a global liquidity proxy much corresponding perfectly there. YCC has not been used in the US since it was implemented for several years after 1942, when they had to deal with the massive World War II funding debt. More recently, the Bank of Japan has used YCC since late 2016 to keep their 10-year JGB yield to zero. Whilst it sounds similar to QE, it is much more targeted and in theory achieves interest rate objectives at far less cost than QE, which buys everything but particularly short term. The risk, of course, should be obvious in that it will encourage even more borrowing from an already overextended system, both public and private, while punishing savers and pensioners. Saxo Bank's head of equity strategy, Peter Ganry, wrote this yesterday. Yield curve control has mixed results when it comes to equities. Japan's YCC policy since September 2016 has not been a success, judging from real GDP growth and for Japanese equities, which have underperformed global equities. The period 1942 to 1951, when the Fed had a YCC policy in place, suggests a more positive picture for equities against inflation, hinting that YCC can work as a crisis tool. However, the key risk related to YCC is inflation risk, 
as our study of inflation and equity returns suggest inflation growth of 4% or higher leads to a bad real rate of return for equities. And YCC combined with aggressive US government deficits could suddenly create inflation, which history suggests has a tendency to be a wild beast when it escapes its normal ring fencing. Higher inflationary pressures will not immediately become negative for equities, as our analysts from May 2019 of equities and inflation over 105 years suggest. A mild positive inflation shock has historically been associated with positive real returns in equities. It's actually a large deflationary shock that has been associated with negative real returns. Equities have historically delivered negative real return when inflation has sustained its growth above 4%. This is the real danger for equities. How likely is it that the Fed will introduce YCC? The Fed introduced YCC in March 1942 to stabilise the bond market amid rising inflation expectations due to enormous US war deficits. This time around deflationary forces seem to be more dominant than inflationary forces due to the demand destruction from COVID-19 lockdowns around the world. Fixing the long-term yields will most likely lead to lower monthly purchases of bonds and thus lower growth of the Fed's balance sheet, while sending a signal to the Treasury to stimulate the economy through government deficits without worrying about stability in the bond market. YCC will most likely come, and already this year it's as naturally a crisis tool, but also an important tool to create inflation and thus dig the world out of its debt mountain. But whether it will be announced tomorrow at the FOMC meeting is more uncertain. Given the current market pricing, it's most likely that the Fed will keep this tool in the box and utilise it if the market destabilises over the coming months. Australia's RBA has employed YCC since March amid the market chaos, targeting three-year bond yields at just 0.25%, and it appears to be working in keeping borrowing costs low and encouraging more debt. It did little to stop the share market carnage, which continued on for nearly two weeks afterwards, but has since been recovering in the central bank plus hope rally seen around the world. But it is good to see Australians embracing more and more debt and retaining the silver medal for highest household debt in the world behind Switzerland, according to the latest report from the Bank for International Settlements, the BIS. With property prices easing, and some still calling for sharp falls, what could possibly go wrong? This last graph here is showing household debt to GDP ratios. Australia's punching pretty high there. All right, and that's news for today on Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow on Thursday. And remember, you can always visit our website, ainsleybullion.com.au, to read and view any of our news. We'll talk soon.